Dracula. I am Dracula. And I bid you welcome, Mr. Hart, to my heart. Come Our first award goes to the vampires for most blood drained in a single evening. The strength of the vampire is that people will not believe in him. fellow vampire lovers the sun is going down and you know what that means it's time for me to record another episode of my podcast the beautiful dead as always i'm your host lena nazari and this is where i usually go on and on about finding my website and finding me on social media and blah 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 but listen if you guys are not following me on social media this is the time to do it And I'll tell you why, because when this podcast episode drops, which will be August 13th at 11.59 p.m., I will be three hours into an eight-hour overnight ghost hunt at the abandoned Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum in West Virginia. I can't imagine... I have not been posting stuff, at least on my Instagram. So go to my Instagram, The Beautiful Dead Podcast. Follow me because I guarantee there's going to be pictures. You're going to hear anything that I hear, see anything that I see. I'm probably going to have a wrap up afterwards on uh, all of the things happening. This is not my first time going to the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum. And I will tell you every time I've gone, I have had experiences. I've had a blast. So... Go find me on Instagram. I mean, if you've been waiting, stop waiting. Now's the time. I'm telling you. So if you don't care about seeing my convention appearances, you don't care about seeing the TikToks I put together for each episode, at the very least, go to my Instagram and see if I got pictures of a ghost. Come on. If anybody's going to get pictures of a ghost nurse, buddy, it's going to be me. So go to my Instagram and check it out. Okay, I think that's enough. You guys have listened to this podcast before. If you haven't, welcome. If you haven't, there's a warning. I give it as often as I remember to give it. Huge spoiler alert. When I review these movies or TV shows or books, I ruin it all. I tell you who hooks up with who, who dies, how they die, who kills them, all that stuff. So don't say I didn't warn you. Now there's a special heads up. For this episode haven't done this before we'll probably have to do this again but if you are easily offended or you want everyone to be politically correct this is not the episode for you just turn it off because you're probably going to hate me by the end i am not going to agonize over how i review this movie without being offensive the movie is what it is, and I am reviewing it, and I'm not changing any words, and I'm not changing any phrases, and I'm not changing any labels. So if you're easily offended, maybe go find another episode to listen to or wait for the next one. However, if you're my people and you're not easily offended, then buckle up, because I am reviewing 
lesbian vampire killers. And again, I want to apologize to the young lady who told me to watch this at the Supernatural Convention in Toronto. I am so sorry I forgot your name, but I promise we will meet again in the future and I will get your name and I will write it down and I will remember it and I will thank you for telling me about a vampire movie that somehow I had never heard of. So bravo to you. All right, guys, let's just get into it. Here's the summary. <laughs> there may be a few times you're like, can she have just said what she just said? I promise. I said what I said. Jimmy and Fletch are two friends living in London experiencing life problems. Jimmy is dumped by his unscrupulous girlfriend and Fletch is fired from his job as a clown for punching a child. They decide to escape their woes and hike to a remote village in Norfolk that they found on an old map. As they arrive at a pub in the village, with Jimmy upset about Fletch destroying his phone, they see a number of attractive foreign female history students leaving. Hoping to find more beautiful women inside, they are greeted by a morose crowd of men and approached by a seemingly crazed vicar who believes Jimmy is a long-lost descendant of a local vampire slayer. As the barman offers the two men free ale as an apology for the vicar, they learn the students that they saw earlier are going to a cottage where they are going to stay the night. Jimmy and Fletch pursue the student's van, catching up to it as the engine has broken down and are introduced to the four girls, Heidi, Lottie, Anka, and Trudy. They are invited to join a party on the bus. The group arrives at their destination, only to learn that a curse rests over the village and that every female child turns into a lesbian vampire on their 18th birthday. There's an old legend stating that the vampire queen Carmilla descended on the village during the night of a blood moon, killed its menfolk, and seduced its women to her evil. When the ruler of the land, Baron Wolfgang McLaren, Jimmy's great ancestor, returned from the Crusades, he discovers one of the women corrupted by Carmilla is his wife, Eva. The Baron forged a sacred sword, then defeated Carmilla, but before dying, Carmilla cursed the village, adding that when the blood of the last McLaren's bloodline mixed with the virgin girl's blood, Carmilla would be resurrected. Fletch and Jimmy spend the night with the women. Heidi and Anka are turned into vampires. After Lottie insists that the others try to find their missing friends, they witness Trudy being turned. Eva, Carmilla's mistress, tries to draw Lottie to the growing clan of lesbian vampires. The trio runs back into the cottage after killing Heidi and Anka and barricade themselves in after the vampires destroy the van. Jimmy's ex-girlfriend Judy arrives at the door and Jimmy, unwilling to give up on the relationship, takes her into the bedroom. Lottie reveals to Fletch that she is a virgin and wants to sleep with Jimmy. At the church, the vicar researches the vampire slayer who killed Carmilla before arming himself and setting off to find Jimmy. Judy reveals herself to be a vampire and after a struggle, Fletch and Jimmy kill her. The vampires approach the cottage and Jimmy inadvertently invites them in. Eva discovers that Jimmy is the descendant of the Baron who killed Carmilla and that Lottie is a virgin and kidnaps them. The vicar saves Fletch from Trudy and tells Fletch the truth about the village and Jimmy's identity. They go after Jimmy and Lottie in the vicar's crucifix-covered car. As the vampires prepare to sacrifice Lottie and Jimmy, Fletch and the vicar try to recover the Sword of Dildo. Yep. The sword that killed Carmilla from the Baron's tomb. 
While Fletch works to open the tomb, the vicar checks on his daughter, Rebecca, and does not notice that she has been turned. Rebecca attempts to seduce Fletch, who doesn't know who she is or what she is, and when she attacks him, she is inadvertently impaled on the sword. Fletch decides not to tell the vicar of his daughter's death, and at Carmilla's tomb, Lottie reveals her love for Jimmy. The vampires begin draining the two of their blood to resurrect Carmilla. With the sword, Fletch and the vicar arrive to Carmilla's tomb. When they enter the woods, they bring various weapons but forget the sword. Despite not having the sword, the pair reach Jimmy and Lottie. The vicar realizes then, not before enough blood gathers to resurrect Carmilla, however. The vicar sacrifices himself so the others can get back to the car for the sword. Eva separates Lottie from the men, attacking and seducing her. Lottie fights back when Fletch and Jimmy fetch the weapons. Lottie kills Eva with her cross necklace, infuriating Carmilla. Fletch tries to kill Carmilla before Lottie is turned, but is captured himself. Jimmy saves them by hurling the sword at Carmilla, piercing her heart and destroying her for good. When the curse lifted, the three survivors decide to continue ridding the world of evil, and the film ends with the shot of a gay werewolf howling before the moon. Okay, so I think the summary about sums up the um, underlying theme of the film, as it were, and we will get into it. I'm not going to pull any punches. I'm not going to try and hide anything or talk around what it is. But first, let's talk about some vampiric crossovers. So Paul McGann, who plays the vicar in this movie, plays David Talbot in The Queen of the Damned. And then Sylvia Coloca, who plays Carmilla in this film, plays one of Dracula's brides in Van Helsing. So both of which I was surprised to see walk on the screen, but obviously was excited to tell you guys about it. All right, <sighs> let's break it down. Let's, let's, let's tear this script apart. Okay, their interaction with humans. So in this particular village, the women all turn into lesbian vampires on their 18th birthday. Now the vampires need to feed. So the villagers send unsuspecting backpackers and travelers into the woods to be eaten to basically uh, protect themselves. Until our heroes arrive, the only human who's trying to stop it is the village vicar. It's implied that inevitably the vampires are going to start venturing out into the rest of the world to feed. So these aren't exactly the type of vampires that are going to befriend humans or fall in love with humans or help humans. Mm -mm. Their interaction with humans is to either turn them or eat them. End of story. And if you're a male human, you're just getting eaten. It's done. Appearances. All of the vampires that we see in this movie are super hot chicks. That is it. There are no men. They're all gorgeous. And when they're turned, full makeup, sexy outfits, elaborate hair. Like, if it weren't for the fangs, you would just assume that they were supermodels or porn stars. Because gorgeous, gorgeous women. Um, and it's funny because we see Rebecca and we see the the foreign students before they're turned and they're super hot before they're turned too. So I don't know why this village has only super hot chicks, but apparently they do. Um, we're, you probably have all the same questions I do. So just bear with me because we're going to get to these questions. Fangs. They have two dainty sharp fangs on each side for a total of four. 
I'll accept it. I normally like just one sharp cane on each side, um, but this one, and I've seen this done before where they have the two sharp fangs side by side. I'm fine with that too. And they are very dainty in this. I'm assuming they're extremely sharp, but they do, they are definitely dainty. Blood. Blood is a necessity for these vampires, and it does play a part in the ritual to bring back the vampire queen, Carmilla. So if you didn't catch it in the summary, you have to have the blood of a virgin mixed with the blood of the descendant of this Lord McLaren, the man who killed her. Once it's spilled and mixed, the blood brings her back. So blood does play a really big part in this. As for food, we never see the vampires eat. I feel very confident assuming that they do not. I think it is an all-blood diet for these women, and I'm totally fine with that. Now, uh, garlic does apparently kill these vampires. I, we never see it, but it is mentioned, so that's the only food-related thing that I need to mention here. Holy items do repel these vampires. We see the heroes use crosses and holy water. I don't know about other holy relics. Like if you had a Star of David, I, I don't know. But we do see crosses and holy water. Um, and the vicar scratched crosses like all over his car and draws them on the window, which is actually really, really smart. So he can drive around this village unmolested by these vampires. One of the heroes fills condoms with holy water to throw at the vampires, too. I mean, we've seen it done with balloons. I think this is the first time I saw it done with condoms, but um, not the first time we've seen this. But the best use of a holy item in this movie, I gotta say, is when one of the heroes pushes the vampire into the shower and turns it on, and then the vicar blesses the shower. So they're holding her under this blessed shower, like holy water shower, basically until she like melts. I, I actually thought that was super clever. So I'm not completely bashing this movie. There is really good parts in here, like good ideas. It's just the underlying theme. But again, we will get to that. Sunlight. We never see the vampires in the sunlight. It is mentioned that they only come out at night. So we imagine they die in the sunlight. Um, again, I feel very confident in saying that these are classic vampires. They don't eat. They can't come out in the sunlight. Like classic, classic. We don't see where they sleep. We don't see coffins. We don't see anything. So I cannot speak to where they sleep. But I'm assuming anywhere outside of the sun. Powers. So like many of our vampires, they are strong and they are fast classic. However, there's something I saw here that we don't see too often and it is that they turn into like, not even like fog or mist, they turn into like ghosts. So they just like poof into these spirits and you can see like faces as they're flying away. So it, I guess they're turning into ghosts. Don't see that one too often. All right, rules. We never see anything about them not being able to cross running water, but we do see that they have to be invited in. They do not cast reflections, and there's actually a great use of this particular rule in this movie. We see a person in a reflection. We see the hero behind him in the reflection talking to him, and then all of a sudden we see the hero like gasping and being thrown back and it's because there's a vampire who's come into the room and grabbed him but you couldn't see it in the reflection so 
very, very well done. I, I thought that was really good. It actually took me a second to figure out what the hell was going on, but very good use of that rule. Okay, how are they turned? So, like I said, as I, as I explained earlier, the village is cursed so that all the females turn into lesbian vampires on their 18th birthday. So we see the vicar's daughter go to bed and then wake up a vampire. All right, okay. What is never explained is how is the vampire queen created because she was the one who made the curse. So how was she turned? And we never get to see how the visiting girls from to the village are turned. So we see the students attacked and they're turned and it's never explained. So I'm really sorry. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Maybe like if they bite a girl, she turns. If they bite a boy, he dies. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's like a weird venom. But yeah, none of that's ever explained. There's a whole lot in this movie that you just have to accept. And a lot happens in less than 90 minutes. It's a very quick movie and a lot happens. How are they killed? So this was a scene that I actually enjoyed. Um, the vicar is driving with Fletch to save Lottie and Jimmy. And the vicar has this very dramatic moment where he's like, I am trained to kill these vampires. I alone know how to kill them. And then Fletch is like, no, pretty standard stuff. Steak to the heart, garlic, sunlight, and beheading. Literally everybody knows that. And the vicar's like, really? And he's like, literally everybody. So I did chuckle at that. Um, so like I said, steak to the heart, garlic, sunlight, beheading. Pretty simple. Now, what I absolutely hated was that when the vampires are killed, they burst into this white, thick goop that looks suspiciously like ejaculate. Considering the entirety of this movie, I have to think that they did that on purpose. So you get to see like the heroes kill a vamp and then like splooshed on their face. And the first time I saw it, I was like, huh. The second time I saw it, I, I realized what was going on and I like rolled my eyes and shook my head. So and then to add to this whole theme, the vampire queen Carmilla can only be killed with the Baron sword, which which I said is like the sword of dildo. It's smelt it's spelled D-Y-L-L-D-O, but obviously we know what it is. And when they find it, the the sword's hilt is a big silver shiny veiny penis. I cannot make this stuff up. When he pulled it out, I was like, oh my God, it's just getting worse and worse by the minute. But hey, I'm only reporting, I'm only reviewing. And again, like I said last week, I doubt that the writers ever thought a podcast host was going to be dissecting the vampires and the rules, but here we are. So I know as a writer, when you write something and you put it out in the world, it no longer belongs to you. Somebody somewhere on some podcast like in a weird meta world, could be dissecting my book right now. I don't know. They're allowed to do that. So that is what we're doing now. Are they good or are they bad? The vampires in this movie are 100% the villains. We never see a vampire who fights the curse, helps the humans, nothing like that. They're all bad as soon as they're turned. End of story. We can get into like a whole big theological, ethical debate, but there's no point. They're clearly supposed to be the villains. End of story. 
tropes I love and tropes I hate. Oh my God. I didn't even know where to begin with this, honestly. Sometimes it's like really easy to rate these and talk about tropes. Other times I'm just like, oh, where do I even begin? But I started this. I got to see it through. So tropes I love and tropes I hate. All right. Let's start with tropes I hate. You've heard me say this before. I hate the whole virgin blood trope. I never understood it. I've seen it used in many, many, many vampire fictions. Now, I will say it is used less and less and less recently. You see it every once in a while. You more see that in like the 70s films, the 80s films. They're really getting away from the whole virgin blood trope, but I never understood it. I think honestly, in the beginning, it was meant to just like shame girls into not having sex. Um, but it did, that would do the opposite, right? Because if vampires want virgins then Hey, go not be a virgin. And then the vampire doesn't want you, but I don't know. It was a whole thing. And I just, I'm, I don't like it. So there you go. Now tropes I love. I love a good ancient curse and prophecy fulfilled. I know it's overused, but I love it. This one is silly, but the whole like faded prophecy coming to fruition is a trope that I personally enjoy. I also love the trope of the villagers all working together to supply unknowing victims to the vampires. I loved that. And along with that, I love the trope of one heroic villager trying to fight the vampires alone. Now, in this case, he's doing it to save his daughter and unfortunately too little too late. But I love that trope, too. I love the trope of like the one, you know, crazy person in the village that everyone calls like the town crazy or the town drunk. And meanwhile, he was the one that was right the whole time. Love that one. So there you go. Hot take from Lena. Love a good ancient curse and prophecy fulfilled. Love when villagers like supply unknowing <laughs> like backpackers to the monster. And um, love when the when the village crazy person turns out to be the one that's right. <laughs> I love it. All right, let's get into it. Sorry about my voice, guys. I'm still a little bit hoarse, I guess, from that cold. I will get back to my usual podcasting voice soon. How evil or scary are the vampires of lesbian vampire killers? Okay, all joking aside, let's look at the vampires objectively. They are all female and turned by a curse. And as far as we know, they can only turn other women. However, they clearly feed on and murder men, which is why the villagers keep supplying them with food. They can turn into spirits. They're very strong. But they are repelled by holy items. They have to be invited in. They're bound by the sunlight. Um, and their queen is very quickly dispelled by some very ridiculous and clumsy buffoons. Like within 10 minutes of, of rising from her grave, she's dead. So, you know, not a good look for the vampires as a whole. On top of that, they're often stopping their attacks just to make out with each other, and they're very easily distracted by their lust for each other. So all these things must be taken into account, um, and that leaves them with a very unscary 3.75 out of 10 stakes to the heart for evilness and scare. Um, why 3.75? because that's the rating I gave it and it's my podcast. So moving on. How sexy or alluring are the vampires of lesbian vampire killers? Okay, if I haven't made myself clear, these vampires are very sexually 
oriented, very sexually driven. It seems to kind of be their um, reason for everything they do. They only care about drinking blood and having sex with each other. Um, they are not fluid, so they will only be lesbians, and they only have eyes for other lesbian vampires. So that does hurt their score, because obviously, you know, the more fluid, the better. And the men are far from being uncontrollably drawn to them. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure they're terrified. The vampires, yes, are super hot. But once the men realize that they're vampires, they are running away and not towards the lesbian vampires. And as mentioned, the vampires are so lust-filled that they are seen attacking, drinking blood, and then just making out with each other in massive vampire legend, like lesbian orgies. So, these vampires get a very nice 7 out of 10 for sexiness and allure. Congratulations, ladies. That's a very nice score. My thoughts. Okay. Oh boy, where to begin? Um, it was memorable, that is for sure. But this was less than 90 minutes and it felt longer. <laughs> to me, this movie was essentially like if you took five 12 year old boys, gave them a ton of Mountain Dew, locked them in a room and said, tell me to what your idea of a sexy movie is. It was funny. I will give you that. Um, but the kind of funny that makes you like a little bit embarrassed that you laughed out loud. The jokes made me roll my eyes and groan. There were so many boobs that by the end I was completely desensitized. I like didn't even want to look at my own boobs by the end because I was like, oh my God, more boobs. Lots of jokes about and references to and images of penises, which like, okay, enough. You cannot think too much about the storyline or the plot because it completely falls apart. So you see what happens when just I sit down and start to, to like ask questions. It all falls apart. Um, I think the actors did the absolute best they could with the script, um, but I don't think anybody could have made this a really great movie. It was obviously inspired by the old Hammer horror films, but it just absolutely did not do them justice. I mean, I sat there when the credits rolled and just was like, wait a second. So if all the girls turn into lesbian vampires at 18, how are they making more girls? Like, are they making more girls? Are these old village men, like, making more girls when the girls are 16? before they turn into lesbian, like I, I, my head was gonna explode if I thought about it too hard. So it is worth one watch just to say that you did it. Um, and I've told you guys that I would subject myself to a thousand bad movies for this podcast, but I, I don't think I'll ever watch this one again. I don't know, maybe I will, I don't know. Maybe I'll find myself at some con somewhere being like, you know what you need to watch? Lesbian Vampire Killers, I don't know. It's one of those movies that you just feel like, well, if I had to watch it, everybody has to watch it. It was funny, I saw an interview with James Corden who said if he could go back in time, this is the one thing that he would change about his career. He never would have done this and I completely understand, completely understand. So for you guys, um, if you don't know, whenever I review a movie, I do actually do research, I look into it, I try and find some fun trivia for you, I look into obviously what the other actors, like what other movies they've done. 
And when I stumbled across this interview, I just was like, oh, James, buddy. I would love to sit down and have a drink with him and just like talk. Oh boy. So I was on the fence, but we're going to do it. Okay. We're going to do it. We are going to review some of my favorite review titles on IMDb. I was on the fence because I feel like I only do this for like really, really bad movies. And it's almost like a punishment on this podcast. I was on the fence with this one, but I was so curious. I had to look it up. So here we go. Rather mediocre, in my opinion. Wow, that is right to the point. Ouch. I almost think if someone were reviewing my work, I would rather them say it's great or it's bad. Mediocre. Oh, that one hurts. 90 minutes of nothing much, really. I I couldn't have written it any better. Perfect way to describe this movie. It's nothing much, really. Again, if I just listened in on a bunch of 12-year-old boys talking about boobs and penises, that's pretty much what this movie was like. All right, here's another one. Not the UK's finest moment. Oh, I felt for the UK with that one. Oh, it's okay, guys. I forgive you. I love the UK. This one is amazing. Wishes it were Shaun of the Dead with vampires. And that's funny because I was halfway into this thinking like, yeah, whoever wrote this definitely watched Shaun of the Dead, saw how like popular it was and thought, oh, I can do that with vampires, which <laughs> you didn't. This one is amazing. This review is titled, How Not to Make a Horror Comedy. Oh, so good. It's so true. Please, if you're going to do a horror comedy, if you're going to do a comedy, if you're going to just... Please do not rely on stupid sex jokes. Like one or two is funny, but by the end, people just like hate you because it's too much. We all know that that person that when you hang out with them, it's nothing but like sex talk and sex jokes. That was this movie. That was, this movie was like that friend that you hate going out with because you know there's going to be jokes. All right. This review title was, what did you expect? I mean, the title alone of the movie, what did you expect? I mean, come on. Oh, this one's rough. Um, Rug munching blood suckers from Norfolk. (laughs) Oh, dear Lord. And then this one is my absolute favorite, which is why I left it for last. This review is titled British Slackers versus gay vampire chicks love it love it and we're gonna end this episode on that note because oh so good so there you go i reviewed lesbian vampire killers and like i said um if you look it up a lot of like on imdb and a lot of other title sites they've dropped the lesbian i don't know if that's because they've just realized how offensive it is or i don't for whatever reason Taking that one word off the title does not make a better movie. So you should have just stuck with your original decision and at least had some pride. All right, guys. For those of you who have made it to the end, I will let you know that next week I will be reviewing Van Helsing with the love of my life, Hugh Jackman. Um, I decided to, it's obviously been on my list this whole time. And I decided to do it because 
when the beautiful actress walked onto screen and I recognized her as one of Dracula's brides from Van Helsing, I was like, oh, I gotta go back and watch that one. I love that one, love it. So I will be doing that one next. Uh, if you wanna know what the next few weeks are gonna hold, join my Fanged family. I'm getting ready to send out an email to everybody to let them know what the next four weeks will hold. That way they can maybe watch it ahead of time or they can maybe like tune in for their favorite or whatever. Again, please send me your ideas. Send me stuff you would love for me to review. I have a list. A couple other people have sent me things. It is on the list, I promise. Um, sometimes stuff gets bumped up. Sometimes, you know, things get pushed back. It, obviously, it, it, it is what it is. So please, if you um, asked me to do something, I promise it is coming. Uh, if you haven't joined my Fang family, please do because pretty soon, I think within the next couple days, I'm going to be announcing uh, another appearance that I am so excited about. I'm just waiting for one thing to come back. And when it comes back, then I'm ready to take off running. So that will be announced pretty soon. And then I do, I know I keep teasing this, but I have a really big one coming up. Uh, I'm just waiting to hear a couple more things and then I'll be announcing that one. And those get announced to my Fang family first. Um, or you can just wait until it pops up on my appearance tab on my website. Or you can just wait until I talk about it on the podcast because I will. But um, thank you everybody. Thank you for listening. Thank you for um, being patient with me as uh, my poor voice is recovering. And like I said, oh my God, go on Instagram and see if I have... Um, if I have seen anything, if I've heard anything, if I've had my hair pulled, if I've run screaming from the asylum because I couldn't make it the whole eight hours, whatever. Go check it out on my Instagram. Go follow me. You are missing out. And you guys know I love you and I wish you wicked hugs and bloody kisses. Good evening.